a culture of innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation. Hear their stories and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative, where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. And I'm your host, Nancy Ridge. And today, I am honored to introduce Dave O'Callaghan, who is a serial innovator and a pioneer of ecosystems. Dave has spent 39 years as a senior executive in large tech corporations and seven years consulting to large corporations, including Hitachi, Cisco, and VMware. Dave is also a professor at the University of Denver, and I couldn't be more honored and excited to have him on the show today. Listeners, you are in for a treat. And Dave, welcome to Culture of Innovation. Hey, Nancy, thank you. It's it, uh, that was quite an introduction. I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and um, I, I hope I can live up to ten percent of what you what you said there. <laughs> well, there's so much more that I didn't say, but you know, I'm excited to dive into our topic today, which is orchestration of innovation. I think that's a great place to start, and I thought it might be good just to give our listeners a little reference point on what does it mean to be an orchestrator. Well, an orchestrator creates a network of peers in which each participant interacts and shares value. And we have a mutual friend, Jay McBain, over at Forrester, and he recently cited Bayesian Ventures as a key organization in his top list, his list of top orchestrators. And I'm curious, Dave, you know, share with us a little bit more about why you think he made that distinction and how that term, what that term means to you and to Bayesian Ventures. Well, well, thanks for that question. It, you know, and thanks to Jay out there for for highlighting Vation. You know, Vation Ventures had the had the vision um, in 2017 that we were going to provide innovators a path to success. And when we started to dig into what does that really mean, it 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 means bringing our whole industry together. In our industry in high tech, you know, it starts with that VC money. Uh, the VC money on the front end and the CIO customer on the back end, everybody else lives in the middle. So that middle, which is made up of the portfolio company of the VC, it's made up of, of large OEMs, like where I was with Cisco and, and VMware. It's made up of distributors on the market side and resellers and GSIs and MSPs and all those people that reach out to those customers. Now, the orchestration layer is historically that was a very sequential path from VC to, to CIO. Now get it, Vation connects all those parties together and orchestrates them so that we can compress time in getting from that VC's first investment in the unicorn, like a snowflake, all the way to the market at American Express or or Society General or, or any of the large enterprises. So how do we compress that time, orchestrate those resources together and, and get to get to the outcome that the VC and the CIO were both looking for. And such a great value that you bring to the channel, to the community. It used to be, as you mentioned, such a lateral path. And now in the world of ecosystem, 
and we live in this this age of the ecosystem, nothing seems to be lateral anymore, does it? <laughs> no, no, you're you're exactly right. You know, when we started out, we noticed that that companies like global distributors like Arrow or now TD Cinex or Ingram Micro, they they uh, they had thousands of emerging tech companies kind of being thrown at them almost, and they had no way to triage. So the way to to get to the smartest bets in the emerging technology is to get to the VC. So we host VC briefings with Sequoia, Greylock, Mayfield, Menlo, all of Sand Hill Road. We, we host groups of distributors to those people so that they know here are the best bets to make coming out of out of the people that make those bets every day instead of the distributor trying to do that on its own that's orchestration mm, that's that's incredible and there have certainly been some significant deals with some of those organizations you just mentioned within the last couple of years and and with that in mind Dave what is one example of innovation that you've seen deliver great business outcomes in that context yeah so I uh, you asked me this a week ago, and I, I gave it a fair amount of thought. And I, I think there's two answers to that. You know, you, you look at maybe one company that came through that that meat grinder as as a startup, and I'd highlight a company like Woot Cloud. Woot Cloud does endpoint security, and they're funded as a Series A company. And through through the orchestration with the with Vation's network of resellers. They were able to get to the reseller and get to Dartmouth University and land a deal very, very quickly. And for those early stage companies with innovative technology like Woot Cloud has, their biggest challenge given to them by their VC uh, parents is go get customers. So their hardest challenge was how do you get to that channel that controls the customer? That's what Vation did. And Woot Cloud is an amazing innovation for that endpoint. And as we went to, to um, uh, remote classrooms and, and things like that at, at Dartmouth, you really needed that endpoint security so that student at, at home wouldn't, you know, wouldn't introduce things into Dartmouth or other universities that, that would cause problems. So great innovation. Yeah, that that's a great example. I love that um, because really, it not only is the technology itself, but it's responding to the needs of today and our changing world. Not only from the the aspect of security being such a top concern for everyone, but also just the fact that forever how we're using the internet, how we're accessing our networks, is forever changed thanks to COVID. It really has. And, uh, you know, the number of startups that are coming through the major VCs in the security landscape is is amazing. Now, the, the other innovation that, that uh, I think is really important is on the ideation front. So more of process than an actual company like WootCloud. And what we do to capture it or a KPMG or, or other GSIs are now doing is is something that we call Spark Lab. In our Spark Lab format, we work with a CIO on the on the business outcomes that they'll need in the following year, setting up the environment that would allow them to to bring in their 
resale advisor, potentially the distributor into the conversation for multi, multi-vendor solutions and bring that community together to do the ideation. We can then do all the research needed inside of our platform, VIP, that allows them to go out and look at all of the endpoint security players like WootCloud, not just WootCloud. Uh, it'll allow them to look at all of the other pieces of the bill of material and do it almost in real time. Taking that design thinking, ideation, tech research, business outcome approach in a coordinated manner across the, the end customer's environment to coordinate it. And with that, you compress time significantly. We call it Spark Lab. I know the GSIs like KPMG have very similar approaches to, to drive orchestration. That is breakthrough for sure. And I can see it really changing the way that digital assets and other uh, other business applications are addressed and purchased. The whole customer journey has has changed dramatically, as we've seen. And Spark Lab seems to be just a fantastic way to bring together not only the the solution and the solution provider, but to do so on a platform of trust. I mean, if they're coming to that through Bayesian Ventures, or you mentioned KPMG, you know the you all are trusted advisors at that higher level. We, we sure hope to be. And, and I think with, with innovations like Spark Lab, we, we can earn that. Um, you know, it's funny, back in the, back in the day, you mentioned, I, I didn't realize I'd been in the industry for 39 years. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a long time. But, uh, you know, back, back early in my, in my career, everything was done sequentially. Yes. If you think if you think back to the days of the wingtips and the and the pinstripes, you know you you had a job and it was to to do one thing in a sequential order, kind of like the 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 way a classroom is set up now, where being the students are everywhere, and the students are bringing value into my classroom at at the University of Den, Denver from everywhere, so we're no longer in this sequential world. We're in a parallel world. The world of innovation is now how do you synthesize information coming at you from multiple directions, synthesize it, orchestrate it, figure out which is the best information and act. And I think that's a that's the art of today is, is being able to parallelize. And, and reduce that complexity because what you're describing is incredibly complex in many ways. It, it really is. You know, for, for all your listeners, I think you mentioned that I've been with Cisco for a big chunk of my career, and I was blessed to have been there under the leadership of, of uh, John Chambers. And, and John has written a book just a couple of years ago called Connecting the Dots. And Connecting the Dots, to me, really captures exactly the idea of orchestrating and parallelizing what you're learning, synthesizing what you're learning. You know, his, his ability was, was far greater than anybody else's I knew on how to uh, capture market transitions, how to capture what's happening in Europe, what's happening in the United States, what's happening in Asia-Pac, marrying that customer information with the new technologies that are coming out and capture a market transition earlier than others. Right? So I, I would suggest 
your your listeners potentially pick up the book connecting the dots yeah i just wrote that down because i'll admit and many of my colleagues have admitted as well that synthesizing all this information and seeking to be out front of the trends is incredibly challenging there's this constant feeling that i'm not keeping up and i know i'm not alone it, it, you're so right and you know on our vip platform which is a research connection and collaboration tool what what we've realized 4 years ago is that search does not satisfy simply searching on endpoint security might give you 10,000 different stories to go read what satisfies is now called explore so in our platform you can explore which is search on steroids and in five or six clicks you'd be able to get from endpoint security through the through the use cases down to the five companies that that are well funded and that have support in the marketplace already you know wood cloud would be one of those since we've been mm-hmm. using them as the example and i'm i'm guessing that spark lab will use technology as well as the input of the individuals and the participants to make that happen. That that's right. Uh, you know, Spark Lab gives you the ability to research and then collaborate. Uh, so you can you can get your ideation done in a single place, then be able to share that that across the constituents that matter, all in one place. Because what's what's happened in the past. And you may see this as well as, as, you know, inside of an enterprise size company, um, you know, the CEO might say, we're going to do items one, two, and three. And for every functional group, they start running off and trying to define what one, two, and three means. And silos are built. And every layer you go down the organization, more and more ideas around one, two, and three occur. And fragmentation happens to what the core of one, two, and three are. And so what, what a Spark Lab does is it, it enables you to collaborate across the space to capture all the great ideas and then distill it down to the ones that the group wants to execute on as opposed to fragment it. So critical because one thing I've observed is as many organizations are pursuing innovation, at the same time, they have to keep the money coming in and pay the bills through their existing revenue streams. And when you're asking teams to support those existing revenue streams and at the same time create innovation, that creates conflict. So I can see where this would also be a good tool to help make space, if you will, for those teams to be more effective in pursuing the innovation while maintaining what they need to do day to day to run the business. It is, you know, innovation is is a great thing, uh, but sometimes I picture it when I'm with our enterprise clients as it's being viewed as a as almost a um, buffet line, right? If I go to a buffet line, you know, I I I like the meats, I like some of the vegetables. I'm not going to have any of that spinach, and I'm going to pick out the things out of the buffet line that I like. Well, many times in the corporate world, you know, those the 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 functional layers go through the buffet line of of, of ideas. And so the fragmentation starts to occur quickly and nothing that, you know, no groundswell happens behind an idea, a centralized idea enough. And, and because of that, many times innovations fall flat. 
we have to be agile enough to take everyone's input, but at the same time, not lose track of where our North Star is. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a client uh, called um, Cradle Point, recently acquired by Ericsson. And Cradle Point is amazing to me because they set their North Star, they, they, they drive that North Star across the organization, and they get all the ideas, and then they go execute. And so it's, it's just a great example of, of, it's probably one of the reasons why Ericsson bought them, because they're so mm-hmm. good at ex- execution. Well, we certainly, I, I, we certainly need their products, so I hope they keep with that North Star. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to shift just a little bit back to when we were talking about the VC money. The channel is sure. awash in VC money right now. I mean, basically every day there's a press release about millions or billions being brought into the space. And it ranges from huge mergers and acquisitions to nowadays right down to, I'm going to call it street level financing of the independent uh, agent company. And even just yesterday, Sinven uh, announced a, a big investment in Nitel. So can you share with us, what is the smart money focused on right now? Perhaps what you see as the three hottest trends coming out of the VC community since you all are close to it. Yeah, let me take a swing at it. Um, and and um, hopefully your your listeners will resonate. First, let me take a look, look, just a macro money supply, right? So at the macro level, um, the amount of M1, if you remember, <laughs> remember your days back from college, economics. This was probably something that your listeners are like, oh, no, here we go. (laughs) Here comes the professor. (laughs) Yeah, they they should go Google M1 because M1 um, is the is liquid money. It's cash and liquid assets. Okay, so it's it's the money that's flowing throughout the market. It's overflowing the market. And you see that occur in how the stock market has 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 risen unrelenting during during the past few years you see it in housing prices here you know i'm in denver uh housing prices have skyrocketed because there's so much money in the system uh all with low interest rates so m1 is is in my opinion out of control now that's that there may be a future because every time m1 spikes and it has never spiked like it has spiked over the last two years with all the federal funds flowing in and low interest rates so you know, I'm hoping that our children don't have the backside of this of this gush to take care of. But so listeners, take a look at M1 and make your own decisions on how risk you want to be. Now, then take it down a layer to what are the VCs doing? And, you know, if you look up the VC investment charts in in 2016, so just five years ago, they were averaging about 60 billion dollars of investments a quarter. Q2 of 2021 was 156 billion. So it's near triple. Oh wow. And and so they're making tremendous bets because all of this M1 that's in the system a lot of that has created wealth. Wealth gets funded back into VC funds and VCs have to distribute those funds. So, you know, it has skyrocketed uh, and and they're making lots of investments. Now, the, the other piece that I'll, I'll comment on before maybe giving you a couple other um, brands for your listeners to listen to look at are, are um, 
the VCs themselves, to, mm -hmm. to give you a little bit of background there, they, they look at a thousand deals a month. All the big guys, the ones wow. I mentioned before, the uh -huh. Mayfields and Menlos, they, they have a thousand deals come their way a month. They select one for funding, generally speaking. And so, you know, that's how many deals are coming at them. And then they triage down to one. So if anybody out there is thinking about making individual investments into startup companies, think about the pros pick one out of a thousand. You Jeez. might be picking one out of the one you know of. So be careful. Right. Um, um, but so there's lots of deals in the, in the flow. There's lots of money out there. So what's really cool that I think they're investing in or that Bation has done a little bit of research on is, you know, the security marketplace is, is really, really, really hot. Um, it's, and it's hot in two, two ways. The, the early stage startup like a, a wood cloud has, has hit a home run already. But then there's a, a really interesting piece in security, whether it's SASE or CASB. There, there are a number of companies that have been around for a while, like a Forcepoint that just bought BitGlass with some of that M1 money that's, that's out there. And because of that, they've, they've, they're able to mitigate the risk for the CISO much more broadly. The problem that, that many CISOs are facing is that their job for the board is to mitigate risk. The problem they have is um, they're, they're, it's a patchwork quilt of solutions to put together to mitigate risk. You know, nobody's giving that end-to-end. -end. So the consolidation of a force point with a bit glass brings SASE, CASB, and other, other pieces together mm. for that CISO. So I'm seeing a lot of innovation there. Wow. Um, the second area that I'd, I'd probably hit on is everything AI and everything robotics. And a, a very similar approach I see happening in the AI world, right? In the, in the, just the data world is companies like Snowflake was the hottest IPO a year ago and they're doing great, right? And they've started to embrace the channel as well. So the, so not, Series A anymore. They've actually gone public, but they're a, they're a very hot brand, and it's because they're doing things with data that that nobody else is, um, except maybe a legacy like Teradata that 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 could uh, effectively compete potentially. So in that AI data piece and robotics um, companies like Blue Prism, Blue Prism's out there, and they're providing you know that RPA capability. That that companies are moving to rapidly, um, and and the voice recognition and and all of that component of the AI world is probably the third one. And a company like Twenty Four Seven AI that can tell from the tone of my voice that I'm excited about being here, and 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 give inflection and all of that to to further make um, voice recognition solid. So. Those are some of the key ones that that I see. Uh, maybe you're seeing something interesting. You you talk innovation every day, Nancy. What do right, you see? Right, right. Well, that's super exciting. You've got me kind of fired up to look into some of these different companies, and certainly as companies like Ridge Innovative and other technology consultants are out there, we are always eager to see how can we deliver a better business outcome to that CISO 
or to the CIO or any of the C-levels who are looking to solve these complex problems. Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking notes furiously while we're talking here today. <laughs> And certainly what I'm seeing down at the channel level, you know, with these VC funds is it's also looking like consolidation within the distribution side of the house. So, for example, we saw about a week and ago, about a week and a half ago, we saw some pretty significant dollars flowing through to a company called Upstack, who is consolidating independent agent bases to bring a much larger uh, distribution conglomerate to the table. And they've gotten some very significant money from Berkshire uh, Partners as well as Apollo. And this seems to be a trend out there that is coming all the way down to the independent agent partner. So their bases that they've built for years based on relationships, building relationships with end user clients today are being valued at, you know, it can be anywhere from four to seven times uh, multiples. So that is a very hot trend. It is. The consolidation at the distribution level is really interesting. Um, and I, I, I would encourage your listeners to maybe go out to the GTDC, Global Technology Distribution Council website, and, and take a look at that. They, they have quite a few papers on this topic, but the essence in, in my mind is private equity is is launching into distribution heavily. They, you know, they've, they've, a few years ago, they, they invested in Ingram. Uh, this past year, they invested in tech data after tech data had rolled Avnet into themselves to create a higher value of distribution. Now, tech data then uh, rolled in with Cinex and became PD Cinex. So, you know, you see these, these, these massive channel plays happening and I think the benefits downstream to the resellers, the GSIs, the service providers, all of those route partners that can now leverage bigger, stronger, better private equity uh, or publicly traded like Arrow companies to, to, uh, to meet their value and their volume needs is, is just a huge trend. And the concern I have, though, and what I keep questioning, and this really speaks to just my own lack of sophistication on how these VCs think on the long on the long game is what type of ROI they're really looking for because typically what I've learned again limited experience but a lot of curiosity <laughs> is that normally they're looking for a 35 to 50% ROI on these types of investments in a a 5 year span for example and we're just not seeing that type of ROI from these types of bases. There was a report that just was recently released where there was celebration over Intellisys, who was acquired by ScanSource on the distribution side four years ago. They were really kind of the marquee for this trend. And they announced their 21st quarter of double-digit growth at just under 14%, which is really darn good in any uh, business valuation in terms of growth. And yet, is that going to be enough to satisfy these VCs? Yeah, I would sep I would just separate the VC from the PE. You know, the, the VC, they're, they're, they're very interested in that early stage potential unicorn, that one out of a thousand that could be the next Google, could be the next Cisco, could be the next Snowflake. 
Um, and so they're they're focused there. The private equity guys that are coming into the into the into the world with the distributors, they're they're a different they're a bit of a different breed that they're looking for probably a seven to ten year exit. And 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 at that point, you know, what is that post money look like? Uh, is is what they're what they um, look at these investments, you know, rolling TD Synex together uh, over the next five, seven, ten years. I think that's where they look for their outcome. And obviously, there's plenty of synergies when you bring two massive distributors together. To to so you're not just looking like the VC for growth. You're looking for the synergies to put together. And then taking those savings and and driving the investment into the value side. Yeah, and thank you for that correction. That's really what I meant to be asking was the PE side for sure. And even from that perspective, you know, is is that going to be enough growth? I I think it is. I I think when you know they're so good at it uh, at companies like Tama Bravo or Vista Apollo, they're they're really really you know they're they're their business acumen is top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their ability to look at the overall operational capabilities on, on, on two, two companies coming together or, or looking at one company that may have been doing something one way for a long time, uh, doing a roll up with that or, or, other, or other approach. They're so good at, at, at finding the optimization points that we might see it as, you know, Intellisys doing 14% going through the PE process, maybe that turns into 16, 18. Got it. Well, I I have to say that these changes are really shaping the channel overall in such a big way. And for me, I find it exciting because it's giving us new ways to service that end user to meet the challenges and overcome some of that complexity. If we can just keep up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you see some of these changes moving us in the direction of a platform business model versus the product and solution based business models of the past? And I'll tag on to that. You know, we can't forget about the hyperscalers, you know, how did they play into all this? Yeah, that's that's really hot topic. So on the on the platform business model side, um, I do teach that at the University of Denver. But your your listeners could could go out and and Google on Sangeet Chowdhury. He is a professor at the at MIT, which I guess is a good university. It's not quite the University of Denver where I'm at, but they're okay. Um, and he he uh, he he has done extensive work on platform business models. So you, what what the VCs are looking for there and what's emerging is this business model that's a platform where you, you have a, typically a software solution, a software platform that has some core interactions into it. What are those core interactions and how do they work? So an example of this that I talked to the founder CEO this week is a company called GoGig. GoGig is an HR platform. And what's interesting about GoGig is they their platform allows you to to for the one side of the platform the person applying for jobs to apply with anonymity, and on the company side they they get all of the background data on the, on the person in anonymity. 
what that'll drive is diversity in the workforce. Oh, I was see I saw that so clearly the minute you mentioned it. And as yeah. a huge advocate for DEI, my heart just took a little leap. Yes, yeah, I mean this is this is right in your wheelhouse, right? I was thinking of you as as I was talking to Chris Hodges as the as the CEO there, and I think this is a great breakthrough for for how to fill the pipeline, how to fill the the candidate pipeline, how to get to a broader, more innovative workforce through diversity. Mm-hmm. And so GoGig is a platform, and yes. and people can come in, and companies can come in. And now you're now you're in a, a place where you have a two-sided platform, and the core interaction for them is, you know, evaluating people and people evaluating companies. That's amazing. Now, it, it can help close the wage gap too, which is a problem we've been trying to solve for so long. Absolutely, because you don't you don't know, uh, and, and you know, at my age, thirty-nine years in the industry, I know a lot of my friends have have struggled even with massive resumes coming out of coming out of Cisco. They struggle at 60 years old. They yeah. still want to work for a long time, but they, you know, the, it's hard for them without anonymity to get in there. That's what GoGig does is provides that clear view so the hiring company can hire the best person. That is super. Thank you for that nugget, Dave. That's awesome. <laughs> sure well, thing. You know, I do want to um, come back to the platform Ovation Ventures for just a second, uh-huh. though, because I find it so fascinating. So you operate with two very powerful and distinct councils within your ecosystem, the Innovation Advisory Council and the one close to my heart, Innovation Partner Advisory Council. So I know now we've talked a little bit about what's hot in the VC world, but what what are we finding in terms of, you know, really top topics they are presently discussing? Yeah, just to describe what these do, the Innovation Advisory Council is a council of of CIOs, uh, senior executives in IT from enterprise mid-market companies, and they visit with uh, emerging tech companies, you know, two or three um, come to each count, virtual council session, and then the the uh, CIOs provide feedback to them. So for the emerging tech company, <clears throat> they come to that council. What they gain is brand awareness to their new brand. Uh, Woodcloud has done many of these actually, and and uh, they gain also the feedback directly from the market, from from the market on. Uh, we think that your security product makes sense. It's we have a place for it in our home. We may have budget for it. All of those things, from a marketing perspective, the four P's of marketing. That's what the emerging tech leaves with. What the what the CIO leaves with, or the CISO leaves with, is awareness of a brand that they never would have found out about. A new technology, something that 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 they can just roll with. Um, so it's a great. That one's a great opportunity for emerging tax and CIOs. The other one that you mentioned, Innovation Partner Advisory Council, that's where we bring resellers together. And the resellers meet with the emerging techs. So again, the emerging tech has great primary research on their behalf, but this time it's coming from the reseller and the distributor. It's coming from the people that actually have to sell their stuff. <laughs> and that's that's really good feedback because you can you can be setting the end users on fire with interest. But unless the reseller 
that owns that account across IT procurement is on board, you're you're going to have a harder time. Absolutely. So, so this really gives them the ability to get that primary research feedback about channel programs, about their technology, about what enablement they would need to do. All of those things happen in those partner advisory councils. Super dynamic right now, too, those topics. Didn't you just have a, a, a pretty big summit with some of these folks recently? Oh, we did. That's a third third event that we do, and it's we do it annually. Um, this past one was in Half Moon Bay, and we were really thrilled to have a platform uh, CEO model from Anaplan. Uh, Frank Calderoni uh, was a keynote speaker for us. And at that conference, we bring together 60 executives from VCs, OEMs, emerging techs, distributors, resellers, GSIs, and CIOs all together in one place so that they can hear each other talk about innovation. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my clients and friends, Rose Bentley, was there with Kumu. Oh yeah, <laughs> Rose set the world on fire. She said her biggest idea for innovation, and uh, was and I hope Rose is going to listen to this, and, and 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 I hope I get the quote we'll right. We'll certainly invite her to. <laughs> she 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 made the comment to the to the world that basically meetings had to be either twenty or forty minutes long. There were there was not going to be any one hour meetings. And that you had to send ahead of time uh, the preparation for the meeting so everybody could read it and you could get to execution much more quickly of the idea as opposed to all the warm up. And so Rose is an innovator. She is, absolutely. And I love Kumu too. I'm glad they're part of that. So there is so much more that we could we could continue to talk about. Thank you so much for this discussion today. In fact, there's so much more that I'd like to find out that I'm actually uh, planning on coming back at the first of the year to ask your son, Joe, to join the show. Because the story goes that he was the thought leader behind Bayesian Ventures. So... He was. He was. He was the visionary. And, uh, you know, it was his idea to give innovators a path to success. And and uh, uh, he's recently taken my role as managing partner of the, of the firm. So he is our leader now. And, and uh, I'm really proud of that young man. Oh, I'm sure you are. Well, I'm very excited to continue the conversation from Joe's perspective. So I invite my listeners to tune back in for that. Watch for uh, our our media being out there announcing when the time comes. But in the meantime, I always like to close by having some fun and inviting us to get a little whimsical in this discussion. So what innovation would you most like to see gain adoption? And you can go whimsical or not. It could be anything. Previous guests have mentioned everything from teleporting to magic makeup mirrors. So... <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your pleasure, Dave? You know, um, my my thought on this is I've, I've recently had several different medical pieces, none serious, but but the innovation that I would really enjoy is like I go to an eye doctor, I give them all the same information I just gave to the general practitioner that I just gave to the surgeon for a hernia. It's it, I I need an innovation that just doesn't automate data collection because that's all they're doing. They're, they're giving me the same piece of paper in three or four different locations and, and it's not being consolidated and orchestrated. I would love to see our, and there's so much cost wrapped up in that. Mm. 
there's so much process wrapped up in that that our healthcare, I think our healthcare costs could drop dramatically and service could be provided more cheaply if we just came to one orchestrated view of of our healthcare records. So mm. that's my idea. I don't know. I don't know if that helps, but uh, I'm tired hey. of filling out forms. <laughs> Hey, I'm with you on that one. And I actually have a doctor's appointment today and they sent, they did send me online. Now it's like a, a pre-check thing. So you don't go in and fill the paper in, you know, in the doctor's office anymore. They send you an online. Yes. Uh, and, now, and now I need a password and now I need a my <laughs> mother's maiden name. And now I need all, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> well, if they're collecting it digitally, it seems like that's the next indicated step, right? <laughs> but they could share it. Yes. Right. Well, I know there's a lot of smart folks. Hopefully there's some listening today that have been working on some of these problems Amen. in the healthcare space. So we'll just keep praying for that. <laughs> Amen. Well, again, thank you. This has been so delightful. And thank, thank you, so you thank you, listeners, for being with us today. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes to get updates on new episodes. You'll find us at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation. And be sure to check us out at www.ridgeinnovative.com. Have a breakthrough day, and we'll see you next time.